Hello and welcome to the Securities Compliance Podcast presented by the National Society of Compliance Professionals, where it is our mission to help you put compliance in context. I'm your host, Patrick Hayes, Senior Counsel at the Calfee Law Firm. And in the famous words of the minister in early aughts American rapper, Mason Betha, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. On today's show, we're going to give you a sneak peek of season two of the Compliance and Context podcast, look ahead to some of our future guests, and talk about some of the tough issues we're hoping to tackle later this year. But before we get there, we thought it might be fun to take you behind the scenes with some of the outstanding guests we had in our first season and revisit some of the incredibly important topics they covered. In episode two, SEC Associate Director Natasha Greiner talked about what was new at the SEC's Office of Compliance Inspections and Examinations, now the Division of Examinations, and how the SEC continued to perform even in the midst of the pandemic. Right after we hit mandatory telework within the SEC's DC office, OC issued a statement, and we talked about and announced a variety of ways that we as OC staff recognized and and was adapting to the circumstances that COVID presented. And, you know, we've remained fully operational and continue to execute on our investor mission, which I think is quite impressive based these challenging times, especially as we all try to balance work and life um, with everything that's going on. In episode four, fintech regtech guru Chuck Senator showed us the importance of fintech and regtech in the financial services industry and in your firm's compliance program. One thing that really stuck out to me about this episode was how fintech can be applied in the testing that firms are doing right now, particularly in areas like email review that traditionally require a human to perform and make subjective judgment calls. So again, the more data and the more ability you have to have insight, one could conceivably think, for example, um, uh, natural language processing and similar concepts can uh, actually determine sentiment. Um, you might be able to sort of see patterns in terms of people's languages that might help you more easily recognize that something was a false positive. In episode five, Rob Kaplan and Bruce Carpati discussed the origin story of the SEC's asset management unit. As a full-on compliance nerd and wannabe history geek, this episode was incredibly fun for me to do. And not just because both guests had a fantastic rapport and a penchant for heckling each other like Statler and Waldorf, but because I found it enlightening to hear from the original coach use of the unit just how the SEC came to develop this incredibly specialized unit focused on advisors, investment companies, and private funds. Remember, these were not new hires, the staff attorneys. They were existing members of the staff who wanted to commit to something brand new. This, and you know, and the idea is, okay, you're not going to really do, you're not going to do, uh, uh, you know, uh, p- public accounting fraud anymore. Uh, you're probably not going to do insider trading cases anymore. You're, you know, not going to do hardcore broker dealer cases. You're just going to do one thing. And I don't think it's easy to really convey how game changing that was to try to attract staff attorneys. But I think people were looking for an opportunity to contribute. Differently, and Bruce insisted in a way that I thought was uh, a punitive at the time, but in retrospect, uh, and shortly after, I don't mean sitting back 10 years later, I mean at the time it was the right thing was that each staff attorney had to develop 
expertise in a particular topic. Remember that we came up with a list of like 60, 70 things. And some people got valuation, but like some, some poor guy got like custody. But like these were things we knew nothing about. Later in episode nine, we welcomed in former NSCP chair and teleworking compliance expert Craig Watanabe to do a deep dive on how firms can best prepare their compliance programs for the increase in teleworking and the types of supervision, cybersecurity, and data privacy issues that are involved there. Of particular note, there was a moment early in the interview where Craig describes the transition that is literally happening inside the industry right now. As firms are moving from the more traditional fortress model and evolving into an endpoint security model. And I just remember thinking, for especially for those Seinfeld and Kenny Banya fans, that's gold, Jerry. Gold. We're seeing decentralization with teleworking. And teleworking is a decentralized model. It doesn't fit very well with the fortress model. And so the evolution that we are seeing is we're seeing cybersecurity evolve from a fortress model to an endpoint security model. So what is an endpoint security model? Endpoints are any device that accesses the network. Could be a phone, tablet, laptop, desktop. doesn't matter if the desktop is in your office or it's in your home, right? The model is evolving towards securing the endpoint, right? And I, and I think that model is, is again, um, much better suited to a decentralized model. And, and that's pretty much how I see cybersecurity being impacted. And I think if you think about cybersecurity more along the lines of protecting endpoints as opposed to the fortress model, then I think a lot of things will make a lot more sense. In episode 10, we had the distinct pleasure of welcoming in SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce for an in-depth look at the controversial topic of Chief Compliance Officer liability. I felt so humbled to be able to speak to Commissioner Purse on this topic, given all that she's done to help advance the conversation in this area. And I found her words highlighting the important role that compliance plays inside a firm and her desire for the industry to have an effective liability regime to be both uplifting and hopeful. And I think the compliance people at a firm play a really important role in being a bridge and saying to the operational people at the firm, the people who are who are providing the advice or doing the day-to-day interfacing with clients, they need to hear from compliance people about how to do that in a way that's compliant with our many rules. And so it's it's a partnership of sorts. And if you have a liability regime that doesn't work, then you're going to scare good people away from taking those jobs and the whole thing will break down. Finally, if we had to pinpoint who offered the coolest analogy to compliance in season one, that award likely goes to Rob Tall. During Rob's episode discussing the stress and demands inherent in being a compliance professional that can lead to personal and career burnout, he describes the thought process behind a deep water survivor and how compliance officers can use this same process as a way to reclaim some peace of mind. Now, the other analogy I'll use to make the decision is this analogy that I've seen in a behavior of, of certain types of people, not normally compliance people, but it's what I call deep water survivors. And deep water survivors are the kind of people that if you were at the beach, 
they're the, they, they seem like the crazy person that swims way past out the breakers. And you're just like, where are you going? Like you're going to drown. And what I, what I found in people that I've met that are like that, they have an equation for risk, which basically says my risk of a problem exists in the first 10 feet of water. Everything else below that is irrelevant. If I solve the top 10 feet of water, I'm not drowning. So it doesn't matter how deep the water is. And so that got me thinking about, well, in risk solving, I know a lot of, from my professional perspective, it's I want to understand every risk involved in this thing. And so you get so wrapped up in the details that you forget the fundamentals, which is if I do these core things at the top, if I, and again, if I just rely on compliance principles, not necessarily the specifics of the rules, but if I know my principles and I can nail my principles down, then I shouldn't have to worry about how deep the risk is. If I can do the basics, I will survive. It might not be pretty, but I'll survive. And with so much great content, you might be thinking, how can they top season one? Well, I guess what you actually might be thinking now is enough with this guy. Can you just tell me about season two? Good news. I've got the answers to both. Seriously, though, season two is already lining up with some incredible guests. We'll interview New York City attorney and compliance expert Richard Chen about the practical tilt of running a compliance program and how compliance officers can be more productive. We'll hear from the CEO of the, of the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, Mark Kim, about the exciting developments happening at the MSRB, particularly on the technology and data side of the industry. Later on in the season, we'll speak with industry expert and founder of the independent broker-dealer consortium, Lelia Morve, regarding the impact of insurance on compliance and how varying types of insurance like DNO, ENO, cyber, professional liability can impact how broker-dealers and RIAs are doing business today. We'll also hear from, from the NFA and NFA Compliance Director Patty Cushing about their specific examination process new trends in enforcement, and how the NFA is approaching remote supervision. And finally, we'll also hear from Paul Paul Weiss, Chief Sustainability and ESG Officer David Curran, to better understand all the ways compliance links to ESG and what sort of data metrics need to be implemented in order to ensure compliance with this incredibly tough-to-navigate topic. And that's just the beginning. We'll also review the impact of the SEC marketing rule, new areas of examinations and enforcement under the Biden administration, and much, much more. But in addition to all of that, we will also be launching the Masterclass miniseries on regulation best interest later this summer. This five-part podcast miniseries featuring some of the leading experts in this space, including those that helped influence its drafting, will only be available to NSCP members. So if you're not already a member of the National Society of Compliance Professionals, make sure you join now so you can get access to that masterclass. As we kick off season two of the podcast, a big thank you to our sponsors, Calfi and the NSCP, and an even bigger thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for making season one so much fun, and thank you for all of your feedback that continues to make our show even better. You can check us out on LinkedIn by searching Compliance and Context Podcast or on Twitter by using the handle at CompliancePod. You can like us and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. 
or go to compliance and to listen and learn more. 